I'm Health Coach Heather, and you are listening to episode 85, Q&A, Autism and Digestive Health. Welcome to the Healthy Families Rule podcast. This podcast is a resource for families who are on a path to optimal wellness, but still aren't able to reach their physical and mental goals. I'm Heather Mitchell, and with over nine years experience in nutrition and exercise and a certified master health coach, I'm uniquely qualified to help you and your family achieve optimal health. So for the next few minutes, set aside your concerns and learn how you can self-repair your body and mind and experience greater joy in your life. Please note that the info provided in the show is intended to educate and elevate, but it's not meant to be a substitute for advice from your medical provider. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast today. I'm Heather Mitchell, your host of the Healthy Families Rule podcast. And today, I'm going to do kind of a follow-up on that nourishing our digestive system. We're going to talk a little bit about autism and gut connection um, that could lead to possible treatments of autism just through the gut connection microbes. So there's always like a Q&A after um, our discussions on nourishing different systems in the body. When I was taking those classes, I was really intrigued by, you know, people's comments and questions, and then the the teacher would answer them. And she'd send out, you know, here's some additional notes and a QA and a of extra stuff, because she she had had time to think about some of these amazing answers and, and answers to these questions that would sit with her, and then she'd be able to share that with us. And so she shared with us this autism gut connection microbes that could lead to new treatments. And this this is an article you can read about in Discover Magazine, October 13th, 2020. In the last decade, there has been research done that is pointing to gut connections to autism. This is not new to the parents of autistic kids, but the research is confirming what they were seeing. According to the article, one researcher made the observation that mice whose mothers were exposed to influenza virus in the second trimester showed unusual behaviors that were similar to that of autistic kids. Anxiety, fear, and avoidance of large spaces or objects that frighten them, staying away from others, repetitive behaviors, etc., those were all observed. Examination of the intestines of these mice showed high levels of inflammation, leaky gut, and a high level of a compound. 4-ethylphenyl sulfate were 45% higher. That was what was found in their blood. Healthy mice, given high levels of this same compound, began behaving similarly. Fecal transplants from healthy sources corrected the problem. Fecal transplants involve introducing healthy bacteria from a healthy donor into the gut of an animal or human who has a very disturbed gut flora. It usually requires removal of all negative bacteria from the recipient. And I'm not exactly sure how this is done. (laughs) 
doesn't sound pleasant. Um, anyhow, beforehand, and that's that's what they do beforehand, and then they place and then placing the new organisms into the intestine of the recipient from the bottom end. I believe that is how they do it, but we're not. I'm not absolutely sure about how that is all. Uh, doing this, and I'm definitely not trying this at home. But another research effort discovered that mice with problems that that were in the T cell portion of their immune system could correct the condition when given fecal transplants from healthy mice. There was improvement in immunity as well as in autoimmune conditions. Eventually, the mouse researchers joined forces with researchers from the University of Arizona who were offering fecal transplants to severely autistic kids who also had severe gut problems. This collaboration resulted in more interesting studies. The researchers transplanted fecal material from autistic kids into mice whose guts were sterilized, and those mice began displaying behaviors that were similar to those of the autistic kids. They also found low levels of the amino acid taurine in the mice, as well as something called 5-aminovaloric acid. So it's called 5-AV. These two substances either mimic the action of a neurotransmitter called GABA, which helps calm the nervous system and controls anxiety, or are involved with either the production or uptick of GABA itself in some way, In other words, the mice receiving fecal transplants from the kids were noticeably deficient in GABA. Mice who had received the fecal transplants from the autistic kids and who were behaving similarly to those kids were allowed to become pregnant and were given taurine and the compound 5-AV throughout the pregnancy. These compounds were further given to the babies until they reached adulthood. They grew up fully normal. That is amazing. In the group of autistic kids who were working with the University of Arizona researchers to try to improve their gut problems, more interesting things were noted. The kids were given fecal transplants from volunteers who were neurologically normal individuals after killing off all of their own flora. Afterwards, it was found that within days and weeks, there was remarkable improvement, not only in their intestinal health, but also in behavior in all of the kids. In an assessment done two years later, the majority of the kids were greatly improved in both gut issues as well as behavior, and almost half were no longer on the autism spectrum. So there you go. You can look into fecal transplants if you do have an autistic kid or know someone who does to possibly see if we can help heal and restore their gut flora. Now, as a health coach, I'm always going to recommend that if you do have a child who is autistic, you need to go off sugar, you need to go off gluten, and you need to go off dairy. When you cut those three things out of the child's diet, inflammation reduces dramatically. So what can you do? What can they eat? I would research again that GAPS diet, G-A-P-S, Dr. Natasha Campbell, I believe her name is. Um, you can find so many videos on the GAPS diet just on YouTube. Just learn more about how it heals the gut if you're not even remotely interested in trying to do a, a fecal transplant. If I had an autistic kid, I would probably try everything in my power 
naturally for a long extended period of time, I'm not talking just for a week or 30 days, but I mean years and years drawn out, I would try something and stick with it and see if I didn't see some improvement. And I know it's hard on the parents because I mean, this is a full-time job when you have an autistic kid. It really is a hardship, but there are many, many parents out there. I believe even that actress, what was her name? Pamela Anderson, I believe. (laughs) I think it's her. I'm trying to remember who it was, but she had an autistic kid and she did this. She didn't do the fecal transplant, I believe, but she did do kind of like this GAPS diet or this diet where taking out gluten, taking out sugar, dairy completely. And she just was consistent no matter how many tantrums. In the beginning, it's hard. But no matter the behavior of the children or her child specifically, um, she was able to really turn this child's autism around and see some dramatic improvement in the behavior. So look into that. If you know of an autistic child or you have one yourself, don't give up hope. Just, I know you've tried things and they didn't work in the past. I would probably just suggest you try a gut cleanse, a gut healing protocol. You follow those guidelines to a T. You don't come off. You stay on. You stay on as long as it takes. And you will see improvement. I guarantee it. You're going to see some little bits of improvement here and there. And it's really going to help your child, if nothing else, to thrive and be their healthiest and function at the very best to their ability where they're at in life. Does that make sense? Versus continuing to feed them doses of garbage, you know, sugar and graham crackers and fishy crackers and marshmallows and candy. Of course they want to eat that. Every kid does. But if you can buckle down as a parent and you just say, nope, sorry, we're not going down that road. You'll see that the child eventually starts to come around. We're not starving the child out. They're actually going to have their instincts kick on of needing to eat certain things that are going to be beneficial for them. So you're going to learn as you go how to feed your child healthy whole foods, how to stay away from gluten, sugar, and dairy while your child is decreasing inflammation in their body. Okay, so let's quickly get into viruses replaced antibiotics in Russia because I think this is kind of cool. Listen up. There's an interesting parallel to the discussion above about a link between viruses and upset intestinal flora. So so what we just talked about, all right, there's an interesting discussion here and let's talk about it. All right, um, the story was told of a man who was dying of an antibiotic-resistant organism. No treatments worked until one doctor tried a novel approach he had heard about that has actually been used in Russia for many years using viruses called bacteriophages that kill specific bacteria. They were able to grow up a sample of a virus that was able to target the bacteria causing the infection and give it to the man. Treatment was administered at the last minute and the patient survived. Okay, whoa, hang on a second. I'm a little bit mind blown by this. Scientists who work with viruses, this is very interesting, especially in the day and age that we live in. What it's saying here is they could create a virus that would specifically go in and kill 
this specific bacteria in this man. I'm mind blown. I mean, how intelligent is that? To go in and create a virus that can do something so specific to the human body blows my mind in so many ways. All right, I'm just going to leave it there for you to ponder on, okay? Because this is what, what this is what happened. It is interesting to note that the use of viruses to kill bacteria has not been just a research project in Russia. During the Cold War, Russia had no access to Western pharmaceuticals, which means they have never used antibiotics in their medical system. Instead, they came up with a highly developed alternative using these viruses known to kill certain bacteria. You are given a specific virus that is able to kill a specific bacteria to get over a bacterial infection. This is really something to think about. All of this begs the question then, can a viral infection knock out some of our important normal flora and would be wise to take probiotics after a virus, especially one containing Saccharomyces and L. reuteri to eliminate bad guys who step into the gap left by the loss of some of our good bacteria, and which would also replace the good guys attacked by the virus. The research on the autistic kids suggests we might. Okay, and she says, I think I first read about this in the magazine Science News within the last two years, but couldn't find a link for you. However, if you were to Google the following words, viruses replace antibiotics in Russia, or Russian bacteriophages, you would find numerous articles about this Russian breakthrough. I'm going to pause here. I'm going to go look that up. I'll be right back. Okay, I just read a little bit about that Russian breakthrough. Not sure I totally understood it. Part of it sounded shady to me, but it's, I'm probably just misunderstanding what it is exactly. So you guys go ahead and study that if you want and let me know if, it's a, if it sounds like a good thing or not. The uh, Russian bac bacteriophages, um, viruses replace antibiotics in Russia. Just, just go look that up. <laughs> see, see what that sounds like to you. Well, we also had some questions and answers about some other things. You can also look into ancestral supplements. They have intestine support available in capsules and are healing all sorts of intestinal issues, but also are creating deep calm and reducing anxiety in people. So it sounds like they're helping support those GABA levels. There's much to think about here. So that might be useful to you. We can link that up in the show notes if you'd like. But someone also noted in class that drinking carbonated beverages hurt their stomach. And I want to just point out that there is a difference between a simple bicarbonate drink like the sparkling mineral waters, such as Perrier water, or perhaps that San Pellegrino water, or even Alka-Seltzer, as opposed to just a soft drink. The simple carbonated waters are generally very gentle on the stomach and intestines, but soft drinks and sodas, they have other ingredients, including phosphoric acid, which can be hard on the stomach. So you already know, I don't think it's a good idea ever to drink soda. But also, it is important to note that carbonated waters are best consumed before a meal, 
so that they have arrived in the small intestine before the meal has begun. Or they can even be taken as long as two hours afterwards. Because these carbonated waters are highly alkaline, it would be best to avoid drinking them with a meal, particularly if someone has low stomach acid levels. Stomach acid can be neutralized by the bicarbonate, which would cause food to sit undigested in the stomach and possibly cause stomach pain. People with plenty of stomach acid can probably safely drink, you know, um, a soda or bicarbonate water with a meal, but not everyone can until or unless stomach acid levels are improved. And again, I don't recommend soda at all. What don't I recommend? Drinking soda. That's the answer. Okay. All right. Several people reported good results with stopping gallbladder discomfort with measures like doing a warm castor oil compress. That was me who said that in our lectures um, over the gallbladder or drinking some warm apple juice while also applying magnesium topically. So what I do when I have some discomfort in my gallbladder and I, and I will, I don't even think it's gallstones. It's just some discomfort, which we'll talk about in a second is I just put some castor oil on like a paper towel and I put that on the area that fills the dull achy pain underneath. So that's under my right rib. I get a hot water compress and I put that right over it. And I kind of just fall asleep like that for a second, but it takes the pain away for me fairly quickly because that castor oil penetrates deeply. But it sounds to me like you could use topical magnesium as well and drink some warm apple juice. This might be some good suggestions to give to someone having kidney stones. Maybe they could try this, try some of these things. But there are, are excellent remedies for gallbladder discomfort and worth a try if the need arises. She says, I also wanted to remind you that while pain in the area of the gallbladder can indicate stones, it can also indicate a swollen and congested bile duct or irritated gallbladder itself as a separate problem. I think that's what I've experienced. It is generally low potassium and magnesium or low taurine levels causing the problem. So I'm going to remember to order me some taurine and be taking some of that and getting more electrolytes in my magnesium and my potassium for sure. So if the remedies that we've just talked about um, relieve the discomfort, it's likely that they are taking care of the swelling and congestion in the area of the gallbladder and bile duct. However, I am less sure that if stones are present, that they are being eliminated. It would probably take longer to dissolve them than a day or two. And you should be able to see them coming through your stools. And if they were cleared out, you probably wouldn't see a problem again for many years. Thus, if the problem of discomfort recurs and is periodic, I would suggest still doing a course of the Chanka Piedra or Stone Free to clear the stones out fully. Then you should be good to go for a long time to come. And if you're pregnant or nursing, sometimes you can't take certain herbs, so you might just research it out a little bit more if you can take Chanka Piedra and Stone Free because I'm just not sure. All right, there are things we can do though. We could recommend um, focusing on the nutrients that improve bioflow and decongested, that decongest the bile duct as well as alternative ways to break down stones. 
I would make sure there were adequate potassium levels going in. I wouldn't hesitate to take extra taurine to help with the uptake of the electrolytes and potassium in particular. Extra magnesium could also really help relax the area and help the electrolytes to uptake. And just to remind you that sunflower lecithin is also capable of softening stones and helping them move through. All of these can safely be done when pregnant. And then the herbs that you can't do when you're pregnant, they can be done at a later date after the baby is born. So when should bile tabs, we've talked about bile tabs in the last episode, when should bile tabs be taken? The answer is with a meal. I was glad to know a gluten sensitivity was cleared up using liver caps in orange juice. Actually, my friend Melissa does this. She puts her liver capsules, she opens them up and dumps them into orange juice and her kids take that every day and they do very well. Boosting iron levels through eating beef or liver or taking liver capsules has worked remarkably well on gluten and dairy sensitivities for many. We are assuming the mechanism is the repair of the gut barrier as well as increased production of lactoferrin to shift the bacterial population in a better direction so that the negative organisms causing damage to the intestinal lining are greatly reduced and the good guys helping the intestinal lining are increased. All we know is that this works. As the smallest proteins, it makes sense. They could get through even a marginally leaky gut. It just takes time and a concerted effort in getting beef or liver in for a while to see these changes take place. And a lifelong constipation problem, if you're someone who has constipation, we talked about constipation in the last uh, podcast episode, but let's just clear it up here again. And a lifelong constipation and knowing there have been so many things tried, I would see if there is anything on the constipation list that we talked about that could be effective. Go listen to the last podcast. And I, and I, she says, I can add one more to the list that I only learned about this week. Taking 500 to 1,000 milligram of tryptophan at bedtime provides not only the principal ingredient plus B6 for making serotonin and melatonin, but it also apparently calms the intestine enough to cause major improvement in bowel movements. So there's another idea for you. And that is going to wrap up um, all that we talked about on nourishing the digestive system. So all things the gut, you need to go back and listen to the last four episodes now. This one included is the fourth, okay? And really understand the gut better because when we have that gut cleaned out and healed, it seems like the rest of our life just falls into place. Life gets easier. We're in the flow of life. We're happier because... You know, we're having regular bowel movements and we're, things are working good in our body. And this is one thing we want to really focus on is having our children's health be the best that it possibly can. So I do ask my kids regularly, have you gone to the bathroom number two lately? When's the last time? I, I, I help them see the symptoms and signs of, you know, what a good bowel movement should look like. I know that sounds weird, but this is important because the second you get plugged up and you have all kinds of problems, it causes other things in your body to go wrong. 
So I want to encourage you as parents not to be shy about this topic with your kids, but to really help them understand if their digestive system is not working well, especially those teenagers and those college-aged kids who go off and eat all kinds of stuff. They are on the college diet. Horrible for their gut. We need to ask these questions. Are you having regular bowel movements? Are you drinking water? Are you getting your electrolytes in? And just really teach our kids what good health looks like. How about your greens? Are you eating enough vegetables? You know that's going to help clear up that acne. I just try to help my kids understand that their gut, once it's cleaned out, it reflects in their skin, it reflects in their mood. So the second their skin starts breaking out and then they're super moody on top of that, I know they're having some gut issues. And I definitely know that those gut issues are tied to a poor diet. So we can fix this as parents. We can help our kids. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. If I can be a further assistance to you as your coach to help guide you and your family, come check out my website, healthcoachheather.com. I'd love to work with you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. Bye-bye. Hey, if you enjoyed this podcast, you have to come check out my coaching and all I have to offer. Whether you're trying to lose weight, get the kids healthier, overcome hard challenges in your life, or just need some support, I'd be so excited to be your coach. I'm going to help you take all this material I teach here on the podcast and apply it to your personal life. So come on over to healthcoachheather.com to learn more. And thanks for sharing this podcast episode with a friend.